Welcome to Panelism, the podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Taylor Trask. I'm Todd A. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed, Todd, this may be the first podcast in a while where we haven't had a myriad of technical issues. Oh boy. I mean, it's been a journey. (laughs) We'll spare you the the loyal listener all of that. If you, I mean, we talk about it a little a little bit on our boys episode. God, um, I just hate that it's 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 this weird, uh, off balanced feeling like you can't remember how to ride a bike kind of yes, thing. Yes, <laughs> excellent, excellent metaphor. It, like we did it so well for so you know long, and then a couple of little technical details come to you know at us, and we're we're lost, like terribly lost. Anyway, it's a it's a look see <sighs> into the future when the U.S. electric grid goes down for whatever reason, and we just all sort of look at each other like, what do we do? What happens? How do we go back? I mean, we had to dust off Skype, and fortunately, we did because it it's way better than the last time we tried to use it. Um, yeah, and it's also, actually our current solution. We'll see how long it lasts, but yeah, and dark know, mode. Yeah, dark mode Skype. Well, we're back into talking about books this episode, and we have got one that has – we've talked about it internally um, amongst ourselves for a couple months now. It actually came up in my uh, orbit when Escape Velocity's book club, which I attend fairly regularly, had it as their August pick. And um, is actually one that – it's by an author we've talked about on the series before, Tom King. We reviewed – vision um previously and and had a great little time with uh, our friend drew huddleston reviewing vision and talking about that i thought vision was kind of the, the the top of the hill but no yeah he actually wrote another book called mr miracle eisner award-winning um if that means anything to you it sort of does me sometimes depending on what's what what, <laughs> what doesn't um i have i have my issues with the eisner awards fairly regularly but no he uh he wrote mr miracle and it is a very different book than um, Vision, but I it's, it's hard to compare them one to one. I don't think you probably should, but if you're if I was gonna pick the one that sort of and it's a close call, but the one that really hit me harder or was was more surprisingly good, I think is Mr. Miracle. So we're gonna delve into it. You read it recently? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know we often try to chit chat a little bit, but I think since we've both read this book and it is such a tome, we should probably just, you know, jump right in because I want to ask you like what, you know, was it drew recommending it that got you into it or did you wait till the book club had selected it? Um, I'm, I'm curious what, what caused you to pick it up and read it? Well, drew talked about it. It was sort of on my list, but kind of further down. It was one of those, I'll get to it at some point. And then book club picked it and I was like, you know, and book club just happened to fall on my birthday this year, which is sort of interesting. And I thought, eh, let's just see. I'll, you know, if, if it's book club, then it'll at least be in a good form to maybe help me understand or appreciate it more. I read it and was like, holy crap, this did not, this is not what I expected. Cause I had seen other Mm. public, other websites and stuff kind of pre preview it back. And when it first came out and when it was, when it was an ongoing series, and have had you know seen some little interviews with Tom King and or the um, the illustrator Mitch uh, Gerrids is that right Gerrids Gerrids um, I've read some stuff from them so I had a glimpse into it or fairly you know a couple panels and a couple story points and I sort of had this different vision of what it was um, no pun intended yeah. but a lot <laughs> of that was was based on the covers 
So the covers mm. for each of these issues are drawn very differently than the actual art and the issues themselves. Um, the covers, I mean, they present a very different sort of look, and I just I thought that was hokey looking. Like I don't did not like the covers at all. Those are inc- completely independent. They have nothing to do with the main art. In fact, if anything, if you get the director's cut version, and we're and just for those listening, we're largely going to be talking about the um, Comicsology uh, edition uh, with with guided view, but the um, the hardcover has its own pros and cons as well and there's some there's some interesting things that happen with the digital version that we'll get into but even if you got if you have the director's cut there's all the concept art uh for the covers and every one of those is so much better than what we got that, um, it's so interesting to me i mean we always talk about like how we saw it how we picked it up like what you know format i this is one of those where i never even saw it on a shelf mm. Or if I did, I was just blind to it. So then reading it in digital form where the covers are only presented at the end mm-hmm. was like, oh, okay. You know, I, to me, it, it read much more like a chapter, uh, like the novel uh, chapters in a novel. I mean, which they are obviously meant to be. But I mean, unless I'm being completely thick right now, the covers to the issues do not appear in between the issues. As no, it's they like, do. They do in the digital version. It's 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 what separates each chapter. So it, oh wait, maybe I didn't even cover. understand these were covers. Well, there's a cover, and then there is the sort of like fractal um, intercessionary page panel that gives yeah. like a little quote that's black and has sort of a sort of you know almost like uh, modern art looking, and then it gotcha. jumps in. So like that thing that's the the weird art that doesn't quite match, but it sort of sets up what's to come. <laughs> like that's the cover. It's just the titleless cover. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, 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 having refreshed my memory, I see exactly what you're talking about, and feel like a total idiot. But yeah, you're right because the covers look very. Because uh, Big Barda is a, a huge character in this issue, and yes. when I think of Big Barda, whom I know nothing about at all, I think of that '70s like Jack Kirby style. Even though I guess he was mostly a Marvel guy, but that like. And that's what the covers mostly resemble is that style. Yeah. Like, you Which know, I not <laughs> right. Right. Which is, and it's like the, it, the colors are, are, I mean, they're not bright, but they're just intense in those covers. Yeah. And then yeah. everything's very smooth and glossy looking. It's just, ugh. and so the actual art in the book is not that it is much grittier actually reminds me. Oh man. I was trying to, there's a couple of things that reminds me of, um, yeah that will probably come to mind more as we talk about it, but it's very much, it is very unique art, but it's very realistic and it's very, I don't know, there's sort of I mean, a cinematic quality to it and the, and sort of what he focuses on and what he gives, you know, how he sets up the panels and time moves very intentionally, almost in the yeah. same way Alex and Ada had you yeah. know, several panels where they're basically holding the same pose and like little arm movements or, or motions will happen in the course of six, six frames and yeah. you can kind of see that sense of time or like a boom tube's opening up and they're waiting for it. And it's sort of, you know, beat, 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 open up, go on. Um, you know, it uses uses the nine panel grid pretty freaking loyally. Um, yeah. In fact, dare I say, no, there's a couple. Well, there are a couple pages. pages that break it. But and and that's one of the really interesting uh, experiences of reading it digitally is I'm sure you had this experience, too, where you can tap like exactly as you're describing, you can tap through a few panels where just the slightest smile is appearing on someone's face and it almost works like a flip book. Yeah. Because yeah. in that nine panel grid, they have moved the expression 
so slightly from panel to panel. Mm -hmm. And so flipping through it in guided view where you don't see the whole layout, it just looks like this flip book thing of someone, you know, slowly cracking a smile, um, which is such a cool effect. And there were so many times where I tapped out to see the nine panel view, you know, when something like that would be happening because I wanted to see how they laid it out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting. And let me, before we start, I, I was going to read the back of the book, but honest to God, the description they give does not do this book justice at all. So yeah. I'm going to try to cobble together my own version, which is Mr. Miracle, Scott Free, um, is a character you may have seen or may have been in the background of other DC stuff. He gets complete uh, first billing here. He's a child of um, he's a child of the new gods. He is High Father's son who was sent to Apocalypse to basically grow up. Apocalypse sent his son to, uh, what's the other planet called? Oh, my God. Oh, fuck. Sorry. No, I said Apocalypse. I, I meant... MS War. Um, man, it's like on the side. first page. Yeah, uh, I know. Oh, shit. It, anyway, anywho, so Darkseid raises Scott Free as his son. He sends his son to, to High Father, and um, Scott Free grows up on Apocalypse, you know, growing up with Big Bard and the Furies and Granny Goodness and all this stuff. And we jump into the book long after he escaped from Apocalypse. And it's his escape from Apocalypse that gives him this lifelong career of escaping almost like a, like a street magician. He, um, you know, escapes from all these different things. And sort of the, the soft tease into the book is like, can he escape, you know, his life now? And it, it seems to be more of a standard sort of just, you know, uh, drama comedy you know where there's this it's this guy you can almost expect him as like a you know steve carell and the 40 year old virgin kind of character he's just going through the his life all these kind of mundane things seem to happen and around all that is this package of his former his former life which is you know these gods and monsters and things that come and visit him or interact with him and he just kind of maintains this wonderful sense of normalcy but new genesis new genesis thank <laughs> christ in heaven um but Throughout all that normalcy, there is something very wrong going on with him. And at first, you don't know if it's depression, anxiety, you know, the fact that he's this escape artist, is that is that, you know, causing him to sort of hallucinate or, or become more disturbed? What is going on? Is it his background, his childhood catching up to him? Something else is wrong. And there's little things that start to happen and they kind of build and flesh out more. Um, and the book sort of goes through that period of his life. It seems to be pretty much over the course of a year, it seems like maybe a two year, yeah. year period. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely an ending to it. This was a limited series. And yeah. so there's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure in some reality where they're doing the white Knight two, <laughs> there could be a Mr. Miracle too, but I hope not. I hope this is, it, it is all there is. So that's kind of where we start. And the, the main characters are Scott free and big Barda. Like they are, it, this is very much a relationship story. You get so much juicy, interesting character moments with those two, dialogue, life choices, um, you know, PTSD. Like those two, I I developed such a respect for the Big Barda character through this whole thing. Um, Scott Free was an easy sell, but I, I I came into this predisposed to not liking Big Barda, and she in this oh, book she turned interesting. Yeah, pretty yeah, pretty hard. I mean, they definitely it's it's interesting to me that they kept her in the old uniform, um, yeah. yeah, but made it work, you know, yeah. and I think made it work so much with all the domestic scenes, like mm -hmm. in a domestic scene, she's not, uh, you know, there's like it's just a totally normal domestic clothing that she's wearing um, and and Big Bard, when she puts the 
uniform on and Scott too. Like there, there, it seemed to be very intentional. Like they're like, we got to suit up, you know? And so yeah. he's in his superhero costume and she's in her Fury's costume. And that's, you know, that's like her soldier attire. Yeah. Um, and what, his, so, his costume doubles as his, uh, just his, his sort of escape artist right, costume. Right. Too, he's sort of, of a Iron Man in that he's publicly known that Scott yeah. Free is Mr. Miracle. Exactly. What was your relationship with Mr. Miracle before you read this? Did you very, know him? Did you know any of this? Very little. He pops up as a, as a tertiary character to a few things I've seen, um, but that's basically it. Yeah, I knew nothing about it, which is why I wouldn't doubt that that – I actually that my eyes just sort of washed over this in the comic book store. You know, I was like, yeah, Mr. Miracle. Um, even, well, even <laughs> the cover of the trade of the, uh, you know, the director's cut, like the trade paperback, that cover just doesn't sell this book correctly. Like the the individual issue covers didn't do it. The main cover doesn't do it like this. It was really weird how off the mark they were in packaging yeah. and selling this book. It just it's it, especially given how good the vision marketing was, you know, what the um, yeah. Uh, the uh, what's the, oh, the like God, Norman Rockwell the Norman and the Rockwell American painters. Gothic sort of like throwbacks. Yeah, yeah. That was wonderful. In fact, if anything, their covers were better than the art and the story. Um, exactly. Largely, oh. and this was the opposite of that, which is maybe what was intentional. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. A weird inverse. Um, no, and I'll tell you one of the reasons that it didn't even stick in my mind that we were seeing single issue covers in between the issues was because there's no, they have no type on those. Like right. it doesn't have the title or the number, or anything like that. You're just seeing this one page and if you're in guided view it just looks like one panel you know it just comes up like one panel and i was like oh that's weird art the interstitial art you know but it, i never connected it like that's what the issue cover looked like that's so mm -hmm. weird mm -hmm. um but I, another thing about the art i wanted to mention um and because it ties into neither of us really being familiar with mr miracle is that in the course of like like telling his story and like catch, they know they have to catch the reader up to who he is. Like they have to get you to buy into his, his story before the story starts, you know? And there is an ongoing motif of this documentary about Mr. Miracle mm -hmm. playing on a television screen. And then that art, even though it's also like kind of, you know, uh, um, made to look like it's got a little, uh, vertical hold issue or something, you know, going on on the TV. Like it's got the, like, broadcast waves in it. it that art is much simpler and more old throwback comic book style yeah. than the actual style of the the art so you you also feel i mean there that was a great separation to me was seeing those panels and going like oh okay i'm in this world now yeah. okay now i'm back in the real world and the art in the in the like real story world was still like kind of sketchy there were sort of some you, there's really obvious Ben Day dots. Like it's not like just, you know, like a full color block on it. Like mm -hmm. the covers are and yeah, just very cool. Yeah. Very. So <sighs> textured, that's what I was trying to texture. That's a great, <laughs> way to, great way to put it. Um, in, in our notes, I've got a lot of things. I'm going to move most of that to the end as just kind of a lightning round of observations. Cause I think there's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of stuff. We're not going to go through the story beat by beat. What I do no. want to do is focus but, a lot of time on two big questions. And I think I think maybe this is where I need to say, at this point, spoilers abound. Is that yeah. what? Okay. Yeah. Because there's, there's no way we can talk about this without spoiling. Because it is a limited series. And and Taylor has this like theory that <laughs> kind of blew my mind <laughs> earlier that I'm sure we're going to get into. Well, and it blew uh, my mind, too, and it kind of occurred to me. Yeah, so definitely you can't – 
we can't dance so much... around it anymore. No, and, it... and if you haven't read it yet, please go read it and then come back because I think what we're about to talk about is going to be – you will want to hear it after you've gone through this. Yeah, I would say just read the first issue, and if you are if you don't buy in after that, eh, it's okay. But yeah. like, you're going to get a taste of everything in that first issue and how – weird it is to come you're not gonna get any answers <laughs> yeah <laughs> not at all in fact but, you don't really you get answers until the end yeah and even then it's a it's very this is a very abstract book but i think it's in those abstractions you can draw a bunch of different conclusions that are all fairly valid but there's one in particular that i came to that i think is is the sort of the higher the, the higher meta kind of thing he was going for that Here. is it coming I, it's coming so so i'll turn I'll, it off Turn it, turn it off. You don't want to turn it off. It is, it is very likely that what we're seeing in this book is, uh, Scott Freed having, having died in one of his escapes. This is his purgatory. And this is a Jacob's ladder. You're saying this is a Jacob's ladder situation. Jacob's ladder. Or even like another movie that comes to mind is, um, is waking life, um, which starts, in much the same way, there's this kind of central character, and he gets hit by a car, and then the movie just keeps going, like nothing happened. But as he continues on, he even says, like, "Hey, I, yeah, I think I might be dead." But he, we think he's dreaming. He thinks he's dreaming. We're just seeing his dreams play out through all these interesting philosophical conversations. But he, it keeps tying back to that one moment early on. And there's a moment in this book that's very. And I remember when I first started reading it. It's in issue one. It was very unsettling. He's on the like David Letterman kind of talk show. What is yep. it? Um, Godfrey, Godfrey. Late, night, late night with Godfrey somebody. Yeah. And he's sitting there talking and it's very wavy. It's like, you know, an old wavy kind of, you know, 80s, you know, broken 80s television in terms of how these panels land. And as it's happening, you get this, you get the first beats. Well, it happens before then too, but you get, you get these continuous beats of dark side is, and oh, yeah, when yeah. you're on a, when you're on a, a guided view it is it is haunting because your panel 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 dark side is in all black white you know white letters panel 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 dark side is and it starts to kind of turn yeah, into a period part. dark period. side is period that's Punctuated. it yeah yeah that's it and no explanation no con you know, no context in fact they never really explain it but it kind of starts it feels like a heartbeat like it, like you know, you get this kind of pacing and then bum bum and it kind of comes back again and it's when it happens, Scott kind of gets unsettled a little bit. Like it's almost like it's a, it's a a little warning to something not being right in the world of the story. So it really hit me in this in this scene in issue one where he's on this David Letter the Godfreak show, the Letterman show, and he pauses and the host goes, "Great, great, that's just great, just amazing stuff, really." But I guess the question that does leave one, or sorry, that does leave one question unanswered. It does, doesn't it? Did you actually really escape? I mean death, right? Did you escape death, Mr. Miracle? And and he's looking at him, and then Mr. Miracle sits there silently staring back at him, and he doesn't say anything. And he it beats again, and he goes, what? And it cuts back to the host, and he goes, oh, sorry, my apologies. We've got to take a break. Um, and then he does like a commercial, and it shows the guy looking straight at you through the panel in a really sort of disturbing, creepy sinister kind of looking thing and then it, it jumps into a, sort of a flashback or not a flashback but a a scene with scott freed and um uh, high father walking on the beach so it's it it teases this thing that's like scott free might have died and then you don't think too much about it because you're just kind of right back into the story again but you realize things start to happen a lot quicker his old friend um uh you realize might not exist anymore and yeah. his 
wife is saying weird things. And there's a scene in particular where every other panel is dark side is, dark side is, dark side is, just like a heartbeat as he's trying to figure out the world. Um, at one point, dark side is is the entire page. Um, so they really use that nine grid or that nine panel grid structure. And then that dark side is, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? A mechanism really, really well. Yeah. I don't think well, that works as well in the printed version. Exactly. It's, you know, it's, I've seen the printed version. I'm going to own it soon, but like it, it plays very differently there than it yeah. does. Cause you're going to, you're going to, you're going to see it. You're going to anticipate it. You're not going to get that, that heartbeat that you describe. And I, and I'll tell you one of the most dramatic things is like I did where I'm, I'm going through the guided view and, and often some of these panels, there's no dialogue. So, you know, I, maybe I go through a little bit faster or maybe I slow down or, you know, my pace is changing and then that there's that dark side is, and then I would double tap out to see the whole layout. And then you're like, Oh shit, this is everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like when you do zoom out and see the whole page, it was like, Oh man. What that was even on? more startling. I yeah, like exactly. that. I love that. I, I did the same exact thing where I'm like, damn, damn, they pull out like, ah, it's almost even spookier. Cause it's just, yeah, it's, you're almost like not, a, I mean, you're aware of it as you're reading it, but you're not thinking of the dramatic like impact of it. And yeah. I, I think that that heightens that, that drama. Whereas in the printed version, like you said, I, I would have flipped the page and seen, you know, half the panels, you know, every other panel is, is that black box and would have, I don't know, but well, anticipated it. There's two other. Well, there's a lot of little weird things that happen that sort of support this thesis. But there's one in particular. Well, there's two in particular. Well, one. I, go ahead. No, I just love that. That's your that first panel. And is that the one that you texted me about and said there's one panel that's gonna like blow your mind? No, I'm gonna get to that one. Okay. So, okay. Cool. Because so, already I love this intro because that is such. That's the you know it's like we've talked about this in other books. That's the moment where you're put on alert. Like oh things are fucked up. Like you sort of know from that first panel of Scott lying in his own blood what has happened or you can you can guess but I, there's still a chance that like he was just involved in a terrible fight in his bathroom like it's yeah. not that obvious at least on sort of your glance at it that he's cut his wrists yeah or uh, that I mean, or, I mean I took away from that scene that he survived just barely but like you know Barda found him ah, in time yeah 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 um so but like even you're right that scene too is like you know what was that real? Is everything after that scene, the, um, you know, the, the death. And I kind of thought that at first, cause right away, right after that panel is that sort of digression of what I think is him as a kid. And it's, and it introduces yeah, the, yeah. this first kind of idea of what does God look like? There's this little story that they tell this little parable that gets kind of told again and again throughout the book, which is the teacher in this class and the teacher, you know, the teacher says, draw whatever you want. And then when they're done, the teacher asks them what they've drawn, and the children say, dinosaurs, hearts, and superheroes, anything, doesn't matter. And one child says, I drew God. And the teacher says, that's very nice, but no one knows what God looks like. And the child said without a second's hesitation, yeah, until now. And so <laughs> there's this – you kind of think it's this like crazy little story about him as a kid, and like, oh, he's got a lot of spunk and attitude. But then you're like, wait a second, he – was a kid on apocalypse he didn't go to school so like what what is this what is going on and it comes back a few more times like other characters will mention it he mentions it you know in discussion and and then there's this really crazy scene where of all the characters in the dcu to show up um freaking metron appears and on his mobius chair who i've been I've been sort of into Metron lately, so that really caught me. I was like, oh, my God, it's Metron. Um, and he looks at Scott, and he goes, you are not to know the face of God. 
Do you understand? You are not to know the face of God. And he screams it at him while he's – and Scott's kind of sleeping, and he's like – he doesn't even react. He just kind of shakes Barda. He's like, hey, Barda, Metron's here. And she's like, oh, that's nice. And he's like, you can't know the face of God. And he disappears. Granny Goodness says something very similar before she goes. They they end up killing her. Um, well, so we think. And then – so that's haunting me. So I'm like, okay, he had this – there's that weird – Weird scene at the talk show that really kind of made me go, what is real? There's something going on here at a deeper level. Fast forward, if you are on your um, your digital device, it's going to be page – give me just a second here. Oh, shoot. That kid pops up again, by the way, later on. That same scene where the kid's telling the story uh, appears at the end of the last issue. So the yeah, very and it's last different issue, then, right? Um, I is think it his, his response is different then. What is his response? Great question. He says, "Oh no, it's it's um it's the same kid, but it's a different story. It's the one where he goes and the son asked, is what oh, is the worst? God, that is yeah yeah, yeah that one. that was so creepy. So in that same issue, the last issue, the very first page, um, there is a scene. So if you're looking at your Kindle, it's two seventy nine. Two, sorry, it's 277 of 319, but it's uh, I think it's on the in the printed version, it's page 279. Um, Comicsology is 277. Gotcha. There is a scene, there's a whole page, nine panels, of Scott being held as Mr. Miracle over this burning uh, trash can thing. Yeah. And it looks they've shown a couple scenes like this throughout the book where he, you know, a train's coming and he narrowly escapes. And at the end of each of those little vignettes, he's standing like, ta-da, like I escaped. And you go, oh, that's cool. So you kind of think these are just little scenes to show you how successful he is at what he does until you get to this page where he's held over this thing. He's got a straight jacket on. He's trying to escape and it keeps cutting back to the audience's reactions and they're starting to get more concerned and he starts to burn up. And the very last panel is his literally his face on fire and it does not cut to him having successfully tadad. Yeah. And, that's where it really tied back because it looks like it's the same set as that talk show. And it's like, Oh, oh shit. gotcha. Yeah. He, yeah. I see what you're this saying. was the, this was the thing and he didn't escape. And everything after that is his purgatory. Oh my God. That is such a crazy specific call. Oh my God. So your, your, is your hypothesis that, that he's on the Godfrey show for real. And he dies like he's t- there's some story about his death, but then he actually performs or, or sorry, he has performed this trick on the Godfrey show and died on the, and then on everything the Godfrey else. Show. Yeah, yeah. And then everything else is wow. And that's why the Godfrey character is the one that goes, well, you didn't escape that one time, did you? You didn't escape right. death. Right. And it's like, holy shit, that's um, that's interesting. And then it's really interesting because the very next panel after or, sorry, the very next thing after that page is Barda waking up. So then you're like, well, was she dreaming that? Um, which could be, a, you know, if you want to take it in that direction, I, there's a there's a case to be made that she was just dreaming this horrible thing, um, given all the stress that they've been going through. But then she, almost like Bobby in, from Dallas in the shower, she finds him. You know, she gets up. He's not with her. She goes in the bathroom. He's showering just like, <laughs> hey, good morning. Dallas. He's all, yeah, I remember Bobby from Dallas. <laughs> no. Is that too deep of a pull. It's a hilarious, yeah, reference. Bobby Ewing. That was the whole thing. Like he came back, and she's like, "Oh my God, you're alive!" And he's in the shower. He's like, "Well, hello." Um, same thing with Scott Freed. And then he, like, you know, he shaves. Um, but he yeah. keeps. I I think I'm right because he keeps seeing sort of these 
the ghosts of these people who have clearly died, either before we started reading yeah. or during the course of the story. And it makes sense. I mean, it also explains Metron's appearance. He's like, you can't know the face of God. And I, th- I think he's saying that because if Scott Free does know the face of God, he's going to get stuck in this purgatory. And this mm. whole thing, and, and the way it plays out, think about at the end, he has this perfectly balanced life. He is the child of two worlds, Apocalypse and New Genesis, and he's got his, and Earth now too. So he's got, you know, he's the new high father. He's spending half his time, um, you know, fighting this endless war and the other yeah. half as this normal dad in California. Yeah. And it's like, that would be the sort of, he can't go to either heaven or hell. He's kind of mm. in this in-between place. That's the most idealistic version of his life. He's got mm. a kid. He's got a wife who loves him. You notice that he, nothing bad ever sort of happens to him. It's, it all seems to kind of go his way, no matter what, what challenges come, you know, Think about how easily they bested Orion and Dark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All this stuff. And so, I mean, even the Furies are coming over to the baby shower, like, you know, hanging out. Just like, it's yeah. you know, like, they're all here for Big Barda. They're, they're, they'll behave. It's like, really? Like, it's and, and you could play it. You could still interpret it a different way. But I just, I feel like all of this is a lead up to him having to decide. And when Metron says, you can't look at the face of God, he was saying to him, if you choose one of those guys, you know, if you choose either... Um, High Father or Orion as 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 your God or, or Dark Side, you'll get stuck in one of those planes. And he chose neither. Mm. Um, and he just sort of he just kind of exists in this perpetual forever space. Yeah. And, um, you know, even like at the end when Dark Side's ghost appears on the couch next to them, and he just casually puts his feet on him, and it's kind of that that blurry TV sort of fade in mm-hmm. fade out kind mm-hmm. of look. It just it all of it just kind of seems. I'm going to the very end too. All of it kind of seems, even when he, the very last panel is of he and Big Barda basically saying, you know, we're going to be okay, everything's great, and then that the last panel is of them kind of blurring too, and so it's just like, oh, so this is this is just his life forever. It's like Inception. He chose to stay in the dream and just keep this existence going. God, yeah. Uh, now I'm fully on board with this theory um, because that effect of like where they would blur the TV um, transmission and then it would blur into like what we think are real events mm-hmm. was, you know, I kept going like, okay, so I, and there's all the memory stuff happening. Like, you know, he's, he's learning a trick with his, his friend that passed away and you know, Metron visiting. And it was like, wait, what? Okay. So is he, you know, did he get hurt from the, you know, from the suicide attempt or what you like, what is, what's happening? It was just the way it all kind of bled together. But there's never any resolution to it. It's not an inception in that sense where someone tells you what the rules are and your theory fits so perfectly in that, no, he's just trapped in this sort of groundhog day of his life. You know, like every, like it's, yeah, every day he wakes up, he goes to new Genesis, he fights the war or there's some great line where he's like, no, it's Tuesday. It's Barda's day to fight the war. I, yeah, yeah. I, I got Monday, Wednesday, Friday or something. Um, can I point out an Easter egg, which is on that page you pointed out where he's getting burned. Every reaction shot from the crowd is a panel of podcasters. Is it really? The first one, I can clearly identify Lauren Lepkis and Paul F. Tompkins. Um, they all seem to be, uh, Earwolf hosts as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the second one is, um, I'll never remember their names, but then there's, uh, Scott Ackerman and, um, Adam Scott in the third one. And then in the fourth one, there's like this, it's like, if you didn't get it, 
the, here's uh, the three hosts of How Did This Get Made, like mm. Jason Paul and June, all in their pose from the cover of their show. Oh, interesting. It, like, how, like, that's the one where I was like, wait, what's going on here? And then I <laughs> zoom out and see all the other panels, and it was like, that's crazy. And I know you had a note about, like, the Stan Lee guy that yeah. appears. And uh, there, are, I, I don't know what to make of that, but that there are all these other Easter eggs I also and it and it got to be that thing of like I was like is this a clue? So almost every time we see um, Scott Free in his domestic life, he's wearing a T-shirt with a different Justice League member on it. <laughs> yeah, and I actually put a note end, like, I don't know why he bothers being an escape artist when he's clue- clearly making millions as the manufacturer of authorized DC hero merch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Like it is, it, it's a little. I, I started noticing at the third one. I was like, "Oh, this is just going to keep going." He's just going to keep having a different T-shirt on every time. Well, but you're okay, saying that. But, you're, so you're at the end of it, who a, is that? Well, are on, you on, suggesting the, there's there's a there's a deeper meaning to that besides just well, an excuse to put him in a shirt? Well, and it could just be a red herring kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the very end, I don't know who this is, the, whose T-shirt he's wearing when he's on the couch with Big Barda. The Thundercat looking T-shirt that's got like the. Kinda, yeah. It's like a space guy. Oh, it's Hawkeye. It's it's sorry, no, I'm sorry. It's um uh the Hawk uh logo from um oh god damn it. Hawk, Hawk and Dove. No, no, Hawk Hawkman. Uh, no, no, no. In the very very last, like there's like a spaceman, like at the end of the oh, book. Oh, sorry, I was looking at the orange one. Let me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not that one. I was gonna say Hawk guy for a second there. Hawk. Hawk guy. Hawk guy. Yeah. Got it. Guy. If I if I ran DC Comics, I would absolutely have a hero named that. Oh man, that's a great. That looks like a super old. I've seen it, and I know somebody can identify it really easily. Like it's, it's a guy not like a wearing secret. a red. He's, it's almost like a. It looks like it's a Japanese sort of robot-looking character, or almost like a. No, that's bad. Uh, well, I'm gonna look this up, but but I'm saying like, why would the most obscure one appear at the? You know, this is what my brain was doing. Oh, okay. When I was looking at. So yeah, I just didn't know if the t- if you made anything out of the t-shirts or you just thought it was like fun kind of you know, in-universe ribbing and stuff. Like, you know, there's a bit where uh, that creepy dude, whatever, that weird host guy or the PR guy gives The Stanley Scott... guy. Wait, is, is that who you're into? Oh, yeah, he does say Excelsior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh. he's... I think he was... Wait. That was purely a Stanley sort of... I mean, everything... He even says with great power comes great resp- or great possibility in this to like the the kid it's it's as close to stan lee as as humanly possible oh it's adam strange so adam strange is the one in the on the last shirt oh is it yeah weird okay um that's adam strange wow that's an old classic buck rogers he kind of did adam strange yeah it's buck rogers yeah that's totally what it looks like um uh, anyway, so, you know, there's like uh, whatever that guy's name is gives uh, Scott like a Batman doll for his new son. You know, it's like we all had Batman's Batman doesn't kill people. I thought that was a great line. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just didn't know whether this is like just in universe, you know, references or or if it meant something deeper. But I, I maybe yeah. I'm running. I'm I'm running down a, a, a rabbit hole here, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, another person at book club took all of what I just described as metaphor for his depression, which I could – Yeah, you know, I can they, they were that. taking They were taking the risk-cutting scene with a lot more um, consequence than I was. And, you know, they, they were like, that's where, you know, he did try to kill himself, and he almost pulled it off, and then everything we're seeing is sort of his – 
grappling with that. I don't buy that because it doesn't explain the casualness in which some of these characters reappear like they are, you know, sort of out of yeah. time and space. Um, I, and they kind of yeah. interact with him all the same. Like they're like, hey, they're, but they're interacting with him like he's sort of manifesting them himself. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, and I, I like your interpretation because um, it blur, it just blurs those lines, which is like the literal and figurative thing that's happening in this book. You know, you as yeah. a reader are seeing blurred uh, graphics while Scott as a character is experiencing blurred visions and memories and things like that. Um, but what's nagging me right now is that having pointed out that Easter egg, if, if the, if it were, weren't all of those podcast hosts, if it were just the, how did this get made or just Jason Manzukas? I would totally say 100% this is a Jacob's Ladder because that has been his running joke mm, for mm. like 10 years on that show where someone starts talking about like yeah, about a, like a hypothetical thing. Like, did this really happen? He's like, wait, 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 is this a Jacob's Ladder? Another Jacob's <laughs> Ladder situation? <laughs> and making it like clear like the Smurfs movie or something totally, you know, They referenced not Jacob's be. Ladder in the book at some point too. I forget oh, what, what? Who said it. One oh, of those characters. his name is Child Jacob. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, there's, oh but they also, there's somebody says, gives a shout out to the story too. And, oh, <laughs> dude, this is a Jacob's Ladder. This, yeah. yeah. We've yeah. solved it. Case closed. <laughs> Join well, us next week next on. Time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just, I don't know. It's 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 astounding to me. Like, cause I it never really clicked in my head until that that page, that that final sort of first page of the final issue. Then it was like, oh, I see. Because it wasn't quite the the um the way that they play Scott off in this book is so casual. And so just kind of like, he's almost like the big Lebowski. He just kind of drifts in and out of these scenes. with like just utter aplomb, just like, yeah, whatever, man. It's all, it's all good, dude. Like he just kind of comes yeah, in and yeah. out. And so like, you kind of get distracted by that and you don't really think too hard about what his circumstances are, even though all these weird things are happening and the dark side is thing happens. But if you notice the dark side is panel stops for quite a while and only comes back again in very specific moments and at, at, during very specific things. And so it's, you know, it's just it, that the fact that that keeps thumping through him, that's, you know, he's a, it's almost like he's trying to quiet that part of him. And by the time he does, like, um, you know, the next time I think I think it comes in is when they're confronting Darkseid. He's about to, you know, they almost get him and they he, he fights off their beam and then he almost yeah. kills Big Barda and then bang, Darkseid is. And then like you don't see it again. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the rest of the book, actually. That might have been the last time. So it's like Scott becoming more confident and, and capable yeah. in this purgatory-like environment. He is finally – yeah, that's the last time Darkseid is, appears other than when he uh, he and Barda say it in the very end. you know, Because she goes, Darkseid is, and he goes, yeah, I know, but hey, we are too. And then – like it's just such yeah, a yeah exactly. sort of like yeah he's he is and but we are you know we exist too like you almost like you know this place exists because you exist um and so you can get really metaphysical with this story that's when it really sort of in my mind settled like oh i love the vision book but this may have it beat this is so crazy because you you were like selling me on this book and i really <laughs> i thought i was going to come into this and uh, not be like the spoiler, not because I didn't like it, but there was a part. So I, I was into all the mystery and there's a, a real clear, like there are arcs as in, I mean, there are acts like, you know, when act one is over, you know, mm -hmm. there's like a, and then there's like an act break and it 
you're in act two and you're like, I get it. And then act two ends and then it's weird. And I was like, oh, this is so frustrating. Like just resolve it. You know, like we already got it. Like we're here. And it just, and so I was reading it on a plane and I did that thing where I like zoomed out on the pages just to kind of like flip through and see how many pages were left. Like what is going on? You know? And there were parts where I was, I just found like, I can't concentrate on what's going on, but I think it's because I was looking for a, I just had in my head, like, no, there's a different resolution here. Yeah. Yeah. And not that I knew what it was going to be, but what a surprising reaction because there's so many times where we read something. I mean, there are a lot of times I have that reaction of like, Hey, I know where this is going, but I'm so enjoying the ride. I want to, you know, to be a part of it. And this yeah. is one of those rare books where it's like, Oh my God, I'm piecing it all together. So I found that panel. Um, it's on, boy, I'm having the problem you have. I think it's two forty nine. Okay. Um, and there's it's so it's when, uh, and it's two forty eight in the digital version and it's when, um, Scott and funky, that's the PR guy's name are decorating for Jacob's, um, uh, birthday party. And they're putting up all this like, uh, Batman stuff and funky's telling him this crazy story that he and Jacob supposedly made up together. And at one point it cuts away to this page. It's all drawn like pen on notebook paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it comes back and there's just this one panel where Funky says, no, boss, I told you, it's not my story. It's Jacob's story. Mm. <laughs> and isn't that something special? Wow. I never Jacob's is like bolded right there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I never, I never, I, that, that whole sequence kind of bothered me just because I'm like, why are we talking about, but yeah. I never got, exactly. I never put that together. No, and that, those were the pages for sure that I was just flipping through like, oh my God, come on, let's get, you know, like I was, what, so what I was doing was like, I just, you know, was reading ish uh, the comic in the full page view rather than zooming in. Cause I was like, man, what is going on? Like, get me out of the story. I don't know what's happening. And of course that's the biggest clue that, you know, I, I totally missed. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> something else. Um, something else I want to point out, then we'll do some lightning round stuff. Um, the, if you really appreciate the use of color, this book, oh, man. uh, uses color so well. It's, it's even more obvious when you look at, um, it, look at it in comicsology and kind of pull back to just see all the pages side by side. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But it's like, you know, I mean the reds and the brown, I'm like every page has some color theme to it that designates place or mood in a very deliberate way. Um, everything from all the dark, uh, the apocalypse stuff is all uh, either red or dark red or black. Um, you know, some of the bedroom scenes are like, you know, kind of a hazy blue, uh, when he's at, you know, when he's in a heavenly kind of situation, when his wife's getting, giving uh, birth or when he's talking to his father, it's always bright and white, uh, except for at the end when he finally confronts his father a final time, it's, it's raining and it's blue and he's basically telling his father like, you know, get, I don't need you anymore. Um, so just the use of color, it, you start to appreciate this book again. I, they did not sell this correctly at all. It's, it's no. amazing. I even found, I mean, it, this could have sat on my list for years and years and years before I even discovered it. And it's, it is amazing. It's, it's clearly, it's clear to me now why so many people were, were so into it when it first came out. Yeah. No, I totally agree. You want to do some lightning round stuff? Because there's a a smear of observations that, you know, I I do want to touch on in case you, you want a a couple upsells. We already talked about the uh, Stan Lee kind of character. I don't know. And maybe you can tell me if this is more of a DC tradition than, than just this book shows, but it seemed to me that their use of the mother boxes was very similar to Siri or Alexa. Oh you yeah. Know, 
For they were mother sure. box and everything. They're like, mother box, uh, how long does it take to get from here to the Ventura Highway? And it's like, you know, my, mother box is like eight hours and 45 minutes. And it's just like, OK, thanks, mother box. Is that is that how they are supposed to operate? I have no idea. <laughs> I just cause, but you know, I, I really appreciated the spin on that. I kind of hope it's sui generis to this book because I've, I've yeah, seen mother box represented in other comics and it's never that that no. Blatant. And you know what? And so I don't know if the, this uh, exactly ties into that, but but when you bring that up, I, I was thinking of Tom King's humor and the way he does things. Uh, there's a there's a a running motif of like <laughs> when Orion puts. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Miracle on trial, which uh, Mr. Miracle gets to choose the location. He's like, yeah, here in my living room. And then like <laughs> Big Bart is like, I'll make a veggie tray. And then there's like this running gag of like Mr. Miracle, like getting up from his, you know, chair, <laughs> the acute, the, and, you know, dipping a carrot in some ranch and uh, <laughs> taking a bite, um, which was amazing. And then, but there's this other running thing that we didn't talk about, which is um, it's not a running thing, but like in that last big, huge battle, I guess that we're in invested in where they go to new Genesis to like, after he's been sentenced and they're just going to go kill everybody and basically free him. Um, they are having a big Barda and Mr. Miracle are having an argument in every single panel about a new apartment and how they will arrange their stuff yes! without one closet, but with another bedroom. Yeah. And it's so nobody's talking about the fight. It's just and I was thinking of that. Um, I, I think for, for whatever reason, the connection to the mother box that you're talking about, how mother box has become this like, you know, Uber Siri where they're like, play the moans of the damned and it will play them. And then they start laughing at them. Yeah, that was um, their because they're like, we don't have a song. You know, we grew yeah. up in this like terrible hellscape. We don't have like our first date song. And Scott's like, well, I remember the moans of the dead. It's like, oh yeah, you 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 think that that's a good thing? She's like, yeah, let's play it. Hey hey Alexa or hey Motherbox, play the moans of the dead and like playing moans of the dead. And then yeah, they it yeah. happens. I think the somebody at book club made a great point. The the use of the carrot and the veggie tray kind of comes back a few more times oh yeah and always in very serious moments you know they go to essentially present their son jacob to to dark side as like his you know basically his his ward um yeah as terms of keeping the peace it's like yeah you gotta almost like what happened to scott you gotta you gotta deliver your son here and they're like let's bring the veggie tray we gotta have the veggie tray but it, somebody at book club man made the point it almost makes him feel even more bugs bunny like because he's got sort of this impervious <laughs> um, you know, he never he never seems to die he gets the crap beaten out of him the only time in this entire story I mean, he he leads the armies of of New Genesis against you know yeah. just a horrible situation. The only time we see him suffering or hurt is in that one page where it looks like he's burning to death. It's the yeah. only time. Yeah. Every other time, he's just like you know he may be a little tired or a little haggard, but he's just like ah whatever. He's eating carrots like Bugs Bunny. You know he just the yeah. the, the casualness of him. Well, and there's um, that that running thing of like which you you know is like an a, an a being raised on apocalypse kind of thing of where. It starts out with Orion, right, where he he beats him and and Scott will collapse and like his face is bloody and he'll say stand and and Scott's like I'm standing and then he'll just punch him again and knock him down and what is that they say like learning or teaching or something like that, um, but you're right like he keeps standing up it is only in that one trick where he does not stand again yeah 
It's yeah. he's almost like I said Bugs Bunny. It's a, a better sort of comparison would be Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty. <laughs> like he's got he just sort of has a he seems to know all the answers. Yeah. He seems to just he seems to know have sort of no care at all for what's going to happen to him. And I think that's sort of emboldened by the fact he is in his own dreamlike purgatory kind of environment. Um the uh, there was even a, a line in there where he I think it's him he just goes excuse me like when somebody's trying to explain this big long winded thing and it just it was such a Rick moment oh yeah <laughs> my other favorite line in this entire book um, and they 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 call back to it a few more times but early on um, <laughs> early on he's talking to Big Barda Scott Free is and they're talking about like a Batman toy or something and the line oh, yeah. that's he, the one Funky he, gives him. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, they have a study. Batman kills babies, <laughs> and I just, I just love that. Again, Barty kind of gives a look like, what? And just it, there's so much wonderful. Like this, this didn't necessarily even have to be about DC characters. They could have done this story yeah. with kind of you know, any configuration, and it would have worked equally well. I think. I, I'm so glad you you said that because you you stated in a way that never would have occurred to me, but there was something like that nagging at me the whole time. Like, like I, there was a mystery to me of like, if I knew something more about Mr. Miracle, would I have a different impression of this? And I kept telling myself, no, 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 that's the point. They've chosen yep. like an obscure character to tell, you know, I kept telling, like having to sort of like reset my brain, like stop trying to figure it out. It's not like, it doesn't fit in the universe. It's different. Like, you know, it's just using the characters to, to say something else. But to me, this was a big like mystery box, like or puzzle box where I just could, I did not, I did not solve it. You know, this was a Rubik's cube that was still scrambled at the end of it for me. And it, you put it together. And I, I think that's so cool. I misspoke earlier though. Um, oh. <laughs> he is wanna, alive. <laughs> no, I want, I'm still, I'm still holding to that. And, and, no. <laughs> and real quick, I even, when I first finished it, I was that that notion kind of occurred to me, but it wasn't until later on that I was like, oh, because oh, right. I even mentioned to Drew, I was like, man, I don't I need help understanding this ending. I don't quite no. get what happened. And then it makes so much more sense when you think about it through this yeah. context. But there is I was mistaken earlier. I had said there were several scenes of him trying to escape and he always does. He never does. This is the only um, – I'm looking at the one right now where he's in the barrel on the train track. The last panel is him getting mowed over by the train. And oh. then um, well, there's another one where the, the box falls off the the um, uh, crane, like the tall like building crane, and he doesn't. They don't show him getting out of it. They don't show him dying like it does. But they, in that yeah, last but they one. don't. They don't show him crushed in the box or anything. Exactly. In that last one, you see him on fire, and I, I don't know. That's a real. That's just such a really interesting. Like I said, like sort of a clue of like you know is. Um, is this the Godfrey shows set? And this happened earlier like that. It's so crazy. And then it's not a, a literal suicide where he sat on the bathroom floor and cut his wrist because he was depressed. It's a figurative suicide in that the thing he does to make a living ended up killing him. And then he's experiencing all, you know, like I love that. this idea because it seems that no matter which angle we take, yeah, he's dead on that bathroom floor. You know, like, or at least after that scene, he's dead. So yeah. then it's just a matter of when did he die, under what circumstance. It's almost like Inception. It's like, when was he actually in the dream? Yeah. Um, and so well, you can really have fun going back through. I'm even looking at that early early on when he's on the, the Letterman show. They show him in the um, the uh, like the piranha tank, I'm guessing, or whatever that is. Right, and, he right. and they show him escaping. And then he sits down 
with um, Godfrey. And like, then that, but that, that scene where Godfrey looks at you and goes, don't worry, folks, we'll come right back. That whole, and especially after that exchange of like, I mean, death, you did, did you escape death, Mr. Miracle? Like just looking at it. There's there's a one panel that's a pause. And then the next one is Mr. Miracle saying, what? And right when he says that there's a huge blur across his head, like, like he is like, it's, that's where it all shifts out. Yeah, and the story of Jacob's Ladder, I mean, you nailed it. it with the, like, the story of Jacob's Ladder in the movie, I, I believe is uh, uh, Jacob or Tim Robbins or whatever the hell his name is, um, uh, experience, like, it's all at the moment of his death. The whole movie happens. So if we think Scott is lying on that floor dying, this is like him projecting that entire life, you know, of like having kids with Big Barda and all that kind of stuff. But But he's still on the floor at the end. Yeah. So well, that's I, I this is a really crazy thing because you the uh the gimmick in a lot of those stories is revealing that it was you know uh, like uh, like a misdirect all along mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. never reveals that. Nope, not at all. So you can you can kind of keep digging new interpretations out of this which I I yeah. I always love that when it's when there's a clear sort of if you know what you're looking for, you can kind of get what the what the creators intended, but they're not so locked into that that you can't get new takes out of it with subsequent readings. Which yeah, that's one one of the reasons I'm getting it in hardcover too is just because I'm like I need to, I want the art artifact. I think it's they put a lot of good hard work into this, um, but I think I'm gonna enjoy it in a different way reading it physically than I did digitally. Although I'm telling you this this is one of the better experiences on Guide of You just for that dark side is um panel yeah. coming in and you know and, and you don't if you're not if you're not cheating if you're not looking at the full page uh, the full page yeah. you don't know when it's going to happen right so you could be going for a while and kind of go okay that must have oh there it is again and just and it kind of creeps back in and it i don't know it's very unsettling because you don't yeah. know what that means and then as it goes on you're you're thinking more about dark side but then you're like is that really what i should be thinking about or you know yeah so many questions that it asks and doesn't answer but you can you can work on your yeah. own take we, anyway. we've got a shout out like we've shout out tom king uh, a lot um mitch uh, uh gerards is the artist and colorist yep. and yeah i mean i i can't say enough about that art it, it is so cool um and but you know totally fits the theme of the book like every all the artistic choices go with all the like literary choices like it's, it's one of those covers. where it's yeah except the covers um yeah, there's actually they credit uh, the original series cover artist as well at the beginning of the collection. So, mm. um, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is definitely a book worth having on your shelf and on your iPad and on your phone. So, go grab it, Mr. Miracle, Tom King, published by DC. Uh, Todd, where can folks find this podcast if they want to listen to other episodes and other reviews? You can find us at panelism inc that is a real domain in fact i just went there to remind myself of the other tom king book which we've talked about which was batman the rules of engagement which ah. happened episode number 81 in which there's a long scene of catwoman and joker lying wounded having like a panel by panel discussion very similar to <laughs> big barda and scott having this conversation about the closets during a fight um we talked about the vision on episode 67 and again just go to panelism.inc and you can scroll through all our past episodes you can subscribe through Google Play and Apple and uh, whatever you want, Stitcher and Luminary and all that stuff. And we are on Instagram at panelism.inc, the very same as our domain name. And we post art from the books and, you know, 
talk about stuff and respond to comments. That is actually the best way to get a hold of us. Oh, I've got some good Instagram stuff coming. I visited a little comic shop in Salida, Colorado shortly before Labor Day, and they have, uh, among many things, they had the comic adaptation of The Rocketeer, of the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, of the movie Dune, and of the movie Buckaroo Banzai. Whoa! <laughs> and, like, those last two are in like a prestige, bigger format, like almost like a magazine. So Man. it's, I, uh, it was just kind of in the, they had these like collections of long boxes in their basement. And I just started rating them. I'm like, can I go down there? Like, yeah, yeah. I, just, I started rating them. So I'm gonna be sharing all that stuff. Oh, that's so pretty, cool. Yeah, it's pretty mind blowing. I was like, hi. I felt I really did feel like I kind of hit hit the jackpot a little bit because they I mean they knew what they had but they didn't you know it wasn't curated upstairs yet so it was kind of like oh, I got this before other people did yeah oh nice yeah and I look more of that, that to come on Instagram but uh, it's been a pleasure uh, happy reading and we'll talk to you next time 